Greetings, everybody, and welcome to AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host and superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District, and we are so excited to be launching Future Talks this year, which are all about the post-COVID-19 world that awaits for our students and our families and our entire community. As our audience knows, these are scary times, but these are also times for opportunity. And uh, we, the district has been moving from traditional drivers around uh, college readiness to college career and this thing called life success. And speaking of life success, our next guest is someone who really exemplifies what a live life and someone who is really committed to giving back, someone who's very successful in his career. That's Mr. Art Bilger, founder and CEO of uh, Working Nation. We're going to learn a little bit more about Working Nation in a second, but I just want to give a background on, on Art Bilger because um, he is a venture capitalist, someone who's been very successful in the Wall Street world and been involved with many uh, big name companies, including Turner, Turner Broadcasting and uh, the uh, at one time was the co Corporate, head of corporate finance at Drexel Burnham Lambert. He's also on many boards, including uh, Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business and uh, has been very, very active, as I said, and even though uh, in philanthropy and really finding his own purpose in life. So, um, and also a grandson of immigrants from Poland. And I think for our audience, I think that's really important because um, he is still very connected to the immigrant experience and especially first-generation uh, college students, college-bound students, which comprise so much so of our student population in the Anaheim Union High School District. So at this point, I'd like to introduce Mr. Art Bilger. And uh, I'm gonna start with our first question, Art, is that, um, you know, four years ago, our district heard your message uh, from Working Nation in a short video called Slope of the Curve, which really was a wake-up call about the concept of structural unemployment issues, including a 40% unemployment rate. Art, can you remind our listeners what structural employment is? Uh, yes, well, <laughs> thank you very much, Michael, for uh, having me participate here. Uh, it is clearly my mission uh, in life these days, given <clears throat> even before the pandemic, uh, I was very concerned about the potential of structural unemployment. Obviously, the pandemic has accelerated uh, things dramatically uh, since then. Um, structural unemployment was basically, the thought came to me, and actually it was started about seven years ago right now, it came to me how the combination of globalization and thus the world getting smaller and thus working with people and countries elsewhere, the combination of that accelerating technology, uh, longevity, people living longer and staying in the workforce much longer as a result, and education not changing quickly enough, given those three, was going to potentially cause a possibility of massive unemployment. 
in this in the world, not just the United States, across the globe. And my thought at the time was, yes, it's a big issue. But then I really started thinking about how do you solve it? <clears throat> and it was about coming up with solutions to educate the population across this country as to the skills required for the jobs of the future. And the fact of the matter, the jobs of the future were definitely going to be change, changing. And so basically, I you know, did a lot of research for several years. And then to your point, about four years ago, I finally launched Working Nation with the idea of creating a not-for-profit media enterprise to basically educate the people of this country uh, as to one the issues, as slope of the curve demonstrates, but much more importantly than tell the stories of where the jobs will be and the mitigating strategies and solutions. And so that has been our mission since we launched uh, just September of uh, 2016, which Slope of the Curve went up on CNN's platform. That was the first content. Well, it was really a wake-up call for us. And I would encourage our listeners and viewers to visit these uh, Working Nation site. It is really a robust site. And um, Art, coming from the media industry as you are, I think you you really value the importance of these narrative stories, I mean, people telling their story. And I think that that is really the way to connect with all different types of audiences because you find your own story within those stories and, and, and learn from other people's lived experiences because these are very uncertain times. And, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, it's one thing to create this awareness about this tremendous uh, unemployment that we're faced with uh, and how COVID-19 has exacerbated the uh, structural unemployment issues. But you mentioned how you are focused on finding solutions. What, what are some of the examples that maybe you can share um, about, you know, the types of solutions to some of these uh, immense challenges that you've seen? Because you, you speak all over the country. Interesting, the solutions, you know, once this came to began coming together in my head as I began crisscrossing the country to learn more. And what I discovered is that there were a lot of solutions being worked on by basically four, four groups of organizations, companies who were doing interesting things to train and educate their workers. Uh, Second, not-for-profits, really very interesting not-for-profits who had focused on workforce-related things. Third, being academic entities, uh, whether it's what a high school is doing or what a community college is doing or four-year you know, university or even you know, other unusual academic-type platforms out there, which do exist. And then the fourth one is local government. Local government, uh, depending on where you are, has interesting programs along this line. But what I discovered was there was a lot going on, but there was no visibility. And so, again, going back to your reference to my ties into the media world, I did understand the power of media to educate people as to um, you know, what's going on and the opportunities out there. And there really are... Four audiences that we've been going after at Working Nation. First are those who are running all kinds of organizations and companies and all, because if they understood 
they can actually make something happen. If they can see how AT&T is doing something special with its employees, they can duplicate it or you know, modify it to some degree. Third, second group are not uh, are those who are working on solutions because they can learn from each other. And we've literally seen when we tell the story of some not-for-profit doing something very special with workforce participation, other not-for-profits or you know, other organizations can learn from. Third is educators. Absolutely critical that educators understand that these workforce issues are critical. And I'll give you a statistic in a short while uh, why it's so important. And then uh, finally, just mom and pop and young people across this country. Uh, because, you know, going back to the term you used before, because the slope of the curve of the change in jobs and skills when measured over time is so steep, and obviously got a lot steeper with this pandemic, um, we can't wait for conferences and white papers to educate the people of this country. And that's why the power of media, uh, especially in today's digital world, where you can get hundreds of thousands of people in a very short period of time uh, educated. And so that's that's been the whole purpose of what we're doing. Yes, you um, and I really appreciate the work that uh, Working Nation has done because it has conveyed a sense of urgency that those of us who are in um, any one of these areas that you talked about are um, really need to have that sense of urgency and and then having support and guidance on what what to do. One of the things that you had mentioned with educators is the statistic that uh, you were concerned about in terms of uh, you know students and their their understanding of this urgency. Can you share with the audience what that statistic was um, in that survey? Yes, uh, it was. I must tell you, quite a surprise to me. Uh, so um, a fellow named Frank Luntz, uh, who you know some some of the audience might here know, very very uh, well known uh, pollster and survey individual, uh, fell in love. I know Frank a little bit, but he fell in love with what we're doing here at Working Nation. And his team and my team ultimately put together a 70-question survey that went out to people across this nation uh, about how people think about work, what kind of terminology they use about work. And we got back incredible data, which was very, very valuable. But I'll say the one thing that really jumped off the page at me when I saw it is that over a third of the people indicated that they had not been guided by a parent or a teacher in their lifetime as it relates to employment. I that's a staggering that, number. That's a stat. That's a staggering. I found that amazing, yeah. and uh, you know, and but you know, it's it, it's it's data. You know, it's reliable data, but very question. Well, so for the teachers out there who are the workforce development. And engagement for your young people, I think, is one of the most important things that uh, one can do. Well, where you and I met at was at in San Francisco at the Gear Up uh, National Conference, and Gear Up right. is a large federal program targeting uh, low-income and minority students. And there were probably two or three thousand people in that audience, all through from all fifty states. And that was, a, I think, a, a powerful epiphany for us about this urgency and the message coming from Soul of the Curve. And, um, and in, 
you know, a thought leader like yourself, I think that that was a wake up call for many of us. In, in, in many in your uh, work, you have also promoted the concept of upskilling. That's uh, and that's a new that's a vocabulary word for us educators. This concept of upskilling. So what why what is uh, what does that word mean, and why is that important to our audience? Well, let me tie it in with that same conference that you and I met at. Uh, and uh, so I was, you know, a speaker there, and I got up, and as you said, it was probably close to two thousand, an audience of two thousand edu- K through twelve educators. And I got up and I said, I'm not here to talk about STEM education because everyone talks about STEM education. Yes, it's very important, but my goal is to talk about things that people aren't thinking about and talking about. And I said, as you may remember, I said to the uh, educators there, I said, look, I'm not an educator, so I don't know how to do this, but the thing you educators must do and uh, it not, not just with your best students, but all of your students, you must figure out how to instill in them the concept of lifelong learning, because that is what life is going to be about. And to your now to tie it in with upskilling, the skills required for even the same job are changing at a very rapid rate, and I suspect will continue. And I suspect the skills required to do even you know bookkeeping, which is a very important function out there and throughout our world, uh, are going to keep changing. So upskilling is lifelong learning. The you know the students out there who are speaking today, think about the fact that you're going to have you should be constantly trying to learn more and more newer and newer things, because I'll be very honest with you. Uh, once upon a time, you used to come out of school and you know get a job, and 35 years later, you retired. That will not be happening anymore. You will all, all that I'm speaking to, you will have multiple jobs over your lifetime. And that's not bad. That's actually very stimulating. Uh, but that's the reality. And so upskilling is critical. You know, I think that's really an important and vital concept, given how uncertain the world is and how many times uh, young people will have to change jobs and upskill themselves. I think one of the big challenges, because we're talking about education, many of our our teaching staff are lifelong uh, teachers, right? And they need to, I think the challenge for them and for us as educators is that they need to um, instill this sort of curiosity and sense of inquiry into these students, uh, even though they themselves as teachers are, um, in, you know, kind of in a, in a, in a career-long uh, job. And I think that's really a challenge many of our teachers are having right now. They're having to upskill themselves in terms of this virtual world. So I think it's really, really an important term that our people need to understand so that we can do a better job of teaching that to our, to our young people. So one of the questions I think that many people ask you is about the, the, the this the jobs. I know you've talked about things like uh, the the driverless, you know, cars and trucks, and obviously we're seeing that right in front of us now with uh, Tesla and all these companies that are coming in. But you also make a, I think, a big point about data analytics, right? 
and, and how important that is. And that's a new, another new term to many of us who are not so, uh, you know, we're used to teaching math and science and all these traditional areas. But what is data analytics and why is that important for this future world? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I started, uh, you know, Michael, you know my background. I got into the uh, venture capital world after doing a tremendous amount of uh, investment banking and other things. And then, as you mentioned earlier, media related stuff. I actually literally ran a TV broadcasting company at one point in time. And then I accidentally fell into the technology world back in probably late late 98 and got very involved with the whole area of the internet and really began learning about how much data ultimately would be available as all of you go online every day and data is being collected. Uh, and yes, we do worry about the issues of data being collected and being a problem, uh, but also it's a very positive thing. And so what happened is uh, back in 2007, I really began thinking about how data would ultimately, data and analytics would ultimately, be, ultimately drive organizations in this country of all kinds. It would drive what co companies are doing, what not-for-profits are doing, what government is doing. And I uh, got deeply involved uh, with the university that I went to. I went to the University of Pennsylvania with the whole idea of data and analytics. And we created a whole program of data and analytics. And today, uh, there's massive numbers of students who are majoring in data and analytics. And it's not just you know, for the MIT data scientist or even you know, the University of the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania student. But you know, we've had panels where you know, the president of the community college system has talked all about their data and analytics programs. We had a, a woman out of, out of the uh, Philadelphia high school system talk about their data program. It's, it, there's a full spectrum. And I, you know, I'm guessing at this, I don't have data on it, but I'm guessing it might be the fastest growing job area in this country. And Absolutely. Yeah, you think about COVID-19 and the, the importance of data and uh, analytics and all of the, how do you interpret it? What does it all mean? What, what, how is that going to drive our next decisions? And you're absolutely right. I think that's, that's going to be the big mother load because it, it's cross-curricular, right? This, this area, this field. So I think I, I have recommended to many, uh, when parents, you know, friends of my wife's of mine, you know, get me together with, you know, one of their kids who's going to be applying to, you know, school of one sort or another. Uh, my big pitch is data. And the number of young people I have convinced to at least, you know, maybe not major in it, but at least take some kind of program alongside in the data analytics. I get a lot of thank you notes. Uh, along with that attitude of lifelong learning, right? You're going to, you're going to, that, that's, that's really great advice. And in the last one, one or two minutes that we have for our young people, um, in terms of words of advice, and I know that you speak often about this sense of developing a purpose of life, a purposeful life. Um, in the last minute or so, can you expand on that for our young people? I began so late 2015. I was busy working on all this, but we hadn't launched Working Nation yet. 
I started, someone said something at a conference I was at and it got me thinking about just my own life and all the different things I did. And what I realized as I thought more about it, putting aside, you know, dollars and cents, I was so driven by just the things I was doing, the purpose that I was. And then I began talking to more and more people about it, including many much more knowledgeable than me. And I really came to the conclusion that a very important piece of life is the link between employment and purpose in life. It's very motivational. And it's whether you're you know, doing all kinds of incredible science or a, a great example I use, and I want to highlight it here. I think one of the most interesting employment areas in this country, maybe one of the fastest growing employment areas in this country, will be in the not-for-profit world. And, you know, it is, and yes, you know, in the not-for-profit world, yes, you want to get paid a you know, good, good amount of money, but also that purpose in life in terms of helping people do things, I think is a very valuable. So that has been a major theme of ours at Working Nation. We had a big town hall event uh, about a year and a half ago where we brought top religious leaders from wide range of religions, very wide range talking about their communities and the link between employment and purpose in life. And I think all of you uh, ought to be thinking about, is, and this came out in uh, Frank Luntz's uh, data also, a job versus a career. Those are two very different things. And the thing that people get most energized by and the most purpose in life are careers, not just the job. That's uh, that's an awesome advice, Art, for our young people to know the difference between job and a career and to really think about their purpose. Um, really, words of wisdom. And, and we are so grateful for you and uh, donating your time and all of your energy and your resources to uh, really the next big, probably the biggest challenge for our young Americans and for this country. So, Art, we thank you on the behalf of our 30,000 students and our board of trustees. We're very grateful for your time and your efforts. So thank you so much uh, for visiting us at AUHSD Future Talks. Michael, thank you for providing me with the opportunity. And everyone, as Michael said earlier, check out the website workingnation.com because it'll provide you with a lot of, a lot more than I can provide in, you know, here on this screen. Thank you very much.